Hey everyone, welcome to the Super Review Show's Mixed Bag coming to you live once again from the JK. I am joined tonight and as always by my good man Bill Murphy. What is going on, folks? It's Wednesday night, so it means Mixed Bag. Woo! Well, folks, I just want to say we survived the apocalypse. Yes, we did. If you know what we're talking about, good for you. And... I just want to say um, we don't get political here, but I just want to say I hope you all went out and voted yesterday. Yes, yes, yes. Hope you all did your civic duty. If you did, good for you. Absolutely, you know Bill. We're, gonna, we're here to provide you with escapism because I'm. I know you're probably all still on edge right now. A lot of people are probably still on edge. Yes. So we um. So don't worry. We're not going to bombard you with more political news. We're just nope. going to. Here we're here, and we're gonna have some fun tonight. Yes, because we and like fun. I like fun. Do you like fun? I love fun. But when, by the way, we have a fun topic for you tonight. Bill, what's our topic tonight? Okay, we all know that books are made. Movies, a lot of movies are made as adaptations from the original forms of entertainment books, and. When books are made into movies, sometimes the author, it really depends on the terms of the contract. Um, Sometimes they have, they do have say. Sometimes they do have say in what's going to go in the movie. Others forms of the contract is, hey, you signed the rights away to us so we can do whatever the hell we want and you shut up. Yeah. Yeah, so if you just want to say, if you're an author that wants your book adapted into a movie, make sure you read the contract first. Absolutely. Just Get a lawyer you. and read the contract before you sign you sign anything. For all you, uh, negotiation. For all you um, authors out there, that's good advice, just saying. Yeah. Um, so if Netflix wants to buy your, your uh, rights, there you go. <laughs> and you know what else is good advice? What's that, Bill? Don't be an asshole. That's just good advice. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. But anyway. Anyways. So today. So today, our topic is an interesting one. Film adaptations that the authors hated. Yes. Like, these are ones that years later, they're still cursing up a storm and thinking, why the hell did I sign that damn contract? Yes, Absolutely. And we have a we we don't have a, a set number. We don't have ten each because that we here be here forever. But we have a list of at least five or six, maybe seven of uh, between the two of us of our film adaptations that the author hated that we've picked out. I would like to go first if that's okay, my good man. That is that is good, my friend. Go right ahead. All righty. Well, here's the deal, everyone. So back in the wonderful world of the 1990s. Uh, we had a different time period completely, of course. But um, <laughs> even though Bill hates that song, yeah. um, there was a time when the year 1994 came about, and there was a movie that came out back then, and it, it, it was it happened to win Best Picture of the Year, and it was based on a book by Winston Groom. What are we talking about, Bill? We're talking about Forrest Gump. Yeah. Forrest Gump. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, and you live under a rock, Forrest Gump is about a guy who kind of grows up in a very 
you know, he, he, he doesn't have a dad. His mom raised him well. And basically, I'm, I'm giving the Cliff Notes version. Forgive me. And he lives in a very extraordinary life without realizing half of the stuff that he does is affecting tons and tons of other people in his life. And it's truly a wonderful film. Wonderful, brilliant film. You know what I mean, Bill? Oh, it is a great film. It's a great movie. It's one of the best, most iconic films of the 90s, especially when the the, the, the silhouette of him on the bench just sitting there. Um, and, of course, one of the greatest lines ever. Yep. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Yes. By the way, just a fun fact with JT here for a sec. The house that is filmed in the movie that he lives in actually is not in Alabama. It's actually in Georgia or no, South Carolina. One of the two there. But it's not in Alabama, though. I, I think it's in Alabama. Georgia because he says that's why it's brought me here to Savannah. Oh, that's right. No, I, I forget. Whatever. I don't know. I, I tried being funny for a second. Anyways, Forrest Gump. So basically, Bill. So before Bill and I went live tonight and wanted to discuss this with you guys. We, 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 we can't, we, we listed off our, our films that, that were based on books. And this is one of the first ones we came up with, because let's not forget people. It was a movie that was based on a book and Winston Groom. I'm going to, I'm going to let Bill go off on this more than, more than I do. Cause I'm not super familiar with as far as the book aspect goes. Um, but to my understanding, and Bill, correct me if I'm wrong. The movie adaptation was very different. If not, if not drastically different from the actual um, uh, movie, from the book that was originally written. Is that correct? Yes, there were actually some, there were actually changes, like in the film, how Forrest Gump is like very mild manner and he's very kind. In the book, he was gruff and even violent at times. Right. And he was actually swearing a lot during the during the book. And, you know, a lot of other differences, a lot of other differences, he didn't meet Bubba in the army in the book. He, he met, in the book, he, they met each other at a football game when they were in college. And... A lot, okay, the book, in a way, from what I'm about to tell you, and I haven't read the book. I'm just Screen Rant is helping me out today. Shout out to Screen Rant. Um, not sponsored, by the way. Um, but the book, JT, in a way, is a lot darker. Is it really? Because I haven't read the book. I haven't read the book, but I'm just reading off here, like on Cliff Notes. Yeah, for for instance, um, for instance, what happened was the um the the shrimp company Bubba Gum Shrimp, and and apparent in the in the um. God, I'm having a hard time understanding this, folks. At the risk of sounding stupid, I apologize. Um, Bill, you are amongst friends. Do not. Eventually, he leaves the company behind to return to a simple life in his own home after his mother's passing. In the book, things play out a little differently. Instead of returning to the States, Forrest begins raising shrimp in the small ponds in Vietnam. After hitting it big with his shrimp company, with his shrimp company, 
he yearns for a simple life and he sells the and he sacrifices the company to Bubba's family before hitting the road as a one-man band. Hmm. And and Lieutenant Dan is not involved in Bubba Gup Shrimp. So basically, the movie took that aspect of the book and changed it up quite a bit. Yeah, like he was actually supposed to go. Here's a few other quick things. He was supposed to go to space. And really? Play chess in space. Chess in space? Yeah, I think so. He no play chess, and he was supposed to go to space. Oh, well, like and chess. now I got to tell you something kind of sad. Um, What's up, Bill? Forrest Gump and Jenny didn't don't get together in the book. In the book, they don't get together. Um, in the film, after years of inherent separation and heartbreak, Forrest discovers that Jenny has given birth to his son, and the three finally come together as a family until Jenny passes away a year later. The book, Jenny, okay, in the movie, Jenny dies at the they they get married, and Jenny dies a year later. Yeah, spoilers for the people who haven't seen the movie. All two of you. Yeah. But apparently, okay, Forrest and Jenny did have a son in the book. But he act- she actually takes Forrest's son away from him and runs off with another man. In the book. In the book, basically... Forrest, basically, Jenny was cheating on Forrest. Wow. And in the movie, it's his like, son and, re- and, re- and ran off with him. And like in the movie, it's just so different. This different from what everybody knows is, this, is the story. So, which is crazy. Money. And yeah, but you know what? Yeah, those are the differences between the book and the movie. But you know who really didn't like the movie? Don't tell me. Winston Groom. Oh, the author of the book. How yeah, could he? The reason why he didn't like it more, it had to do with the root of all evil, my friends. Money. It's all about the green guy. Wanna be somebody. Um, yeah. It's the money. Yeah. Christine Groom basically got screwed over. Um, because in the contract, it said something like, if the movie makes a profit, he was only supposed to get 3%. <laughs> and he basically didn't get a dime out of the movie. That's that's really, I mean, that's just terrible. And And what ended up happening was there was actually a sequel book to Forrest Gump. But they never made that into a movie. Yeah, because we we talked about that last year in sequels where that never happened. That that never happened. Um, yeah, check that out too, for because we're just curious. And you know, go go watch our when we did our sequels that never happened. Um, because they they do talk about because. What happened was Winston Groom was actually paid 350 grand for the screenplay rights and was mm-hmm. contracted for a 3% share of net profits. However, Paramount and the film's producer did not pay him the percentage, using Hollywood accountant deposit that the blockbuster film lost any money. 
Tom Hanks, by contract, contracted for a percent share of the film's gross receipts instead of a salary. He and director Zemeckis received $40 million. In addition, Room was not mentioned once in any of the film's Oscar-winning speeches. Groom's dispute with Paramount was later effectively resolved after Groom declared he was satisfied with Paramount's explanation of their accountant. This mm. coinciding with Groom receiving a seven-figure contract with the Paramount film rights to another of his books, Gumping Company. The mm. film was never made. So I don't think it was really the quality of the movie that made Winston Groom that made Winston Groom dislike the movie. I think it was the fact that he basically got screwed over. Yeah, and I, I think I'm I'm sure the studio had interest in having him uh, come back for a having him, you know, license. You know, because the movie was a big success. It was like a eighty-five million dollar film, and it made like over half a billion. I think it was like six hundred and something million dollars at the worldwide box office. It was a yeah, big success. There was actually in the opening pages of Force of Gumping Company, Winston Groom put a little note go, No, don't ever let people make a film of your life story. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I think Winston Groom is sort of different. Mm-hmm. Because then than a lot of the other authors we're gonna be talking about. Because that, it never really said if he liked the quality of the movie. I think he he just had a sour taste in his mouth from the whole thing with the money. I I I can agree with that actually. I mean, that makes that makes sense to me at least. Because, like I said, I'm probably going to repeat this a million times tonight. Read the contracts before you sign them. Read the contracts before you sign them because absolutely because they might say, okay, you'll get this percentage of the book of of box office, but you know, if we don't make any money, you're basically fucked. <laughs> or if this happens, you're basically not gonna get a dime. Or, yeah. you know, maybe you'll get money if if I don't know if we in cyber alien monkeys from some country that only two people know exist take us over. You might get some money then. No, yep. no, no. They have some weird ass clauses in these contracts. They really do. I mean, they really truly do. It's just like, you know, like the weird clause I have in my contract. <laughs> No, oh, you're funny. Sorry, it took me a second there. Oh. So, but, but yeah, Forrest Gump, one of one of our first films we wanted to touch on, um, and how the author hated the adaptation. Truthfully, he just he just did. Yeah. Um. But All yeah, right. uh, this is sort of my pick, but we both elaborated on. Do you want to go next? Uh, yeah. Um, here's one that. Here is one that um and this is one and this is my pick. Yes, it's sir. the movie American Psycho. 
with Christian Bale, ladies and gentlemen. Have you ever seen it, JT? I have not. I know there's a big shame coming in my way, but like, shame! I mean, don't get me wrong. Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor, and I've I've definitely heard of this movie. I've seen a lot of clips from it. I just haven't sat down and watched the whole thing. Um, partly because I'm a little, I mean, I'm not a horror guy. Like I'm not like a super horror guy per se. Um, yeah, you know who really I mean? likes that movie? Who likes that movie? Justin. Does he really? Yeah, he, he likes American Psycho. Is it? I mean, I'm not. I don't want to go too in depth with it, but he just he just likes it as like a as a movie he, kind of thing. This is a really good movie. All right, cool. I, I like it too. Um, but it was based on a book. It was based on a book, and here is what happened. Um. The author was Brett Easton Ellis. He said the movie fell short for two reasons. One, it's simply not ambiguous enough. The movie is not ambiguous. Like, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail, but because I don't want to spoil it for the people who have not watched it. But the film in the in the film, um, okay, at the end of the film, there's sort of a question in which did Patrick Bateman, who is played by who is played by Christian Bale, did he you know, like, did everything in the movie happen, or was it all in his head? Right, okay. I, I haven't seen the movie, but I can see what you're saying. Like, there is a... Like, there is, like, he's just, like, sitting there, like... He's just, like... You're just, like, did all of this happen, or did it not... Or did it... You know, or was it just all, or was the movie just all in his head? So they said it wasn't ambiguous enough. In Alice's opinion, the book is unfilmable because of its stream of consciousness narrative can't be faithfully adapted into a visual medium. And to be fair, the book is done in the style of rambling and incoherent revenge fantasy. Mm -hmm. I can see it kind of destroys coherency. Ellis thinks the story's central ambiguity is ruined by physically seeing a naked Christian Bale. Yeah, we all want to see that, right? Yeah, all of his abs. <laughs> Just kidding. Chasing everyone. a prostitute down a hallway with a chainsaw. Oh, that oh, wasn't God. in the movie. Because seeing it forces the viewer to conclude that it actually happened, as opposed to happening only in the character's mind. According to Ellis, there's no ambiguity or metaphor in the film which seems to indicate that he has never seen a David Lynch movie. Um, okay, here's the one. Alice said, because it was directed by a woman, when asked for, when asked about the director, Mary Heron, because at first she was fired and Oliver Stone was brought on to direct the movie. 
and Leonardo DiCaprio were, were going to star, but they both dropped out, so he rehired Mary Harron. Mm -hmm. Alice said, I think it's a medium that is really built for the male gaze and a male sensibility. I mean, the best art is made under an indifference to, but the neutrality, the kind of emotionalism, and I think that can be a trap for women directors. And oh my God, he, oh God, what I'm reading, what I just want to say about this guy, what an asshole. Uh oh, here we go. He said about when asked about Academy Award winning director Catherine Bigelow, who has, he, she said he has, she has a career only because she's a very hot woman. Oh God. <laughs> For real? Yeah. Remember the advice I gave you earlier, folks? Don't be an asshole. Again, uh, good advice. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. True. Um, and yeah, so that is why Brett Burton Ellis did not like American Psycho. He thought the film was not ambiguous enough. Like the only thing that could tell if the film is ambiguous. Mm-hmm is is that in the end of the film you're wondering was this movie all real or did he make the shit up like i said i haven't seen the movie guys so i i i can't really judge on it specifically but i will say though that that the premise is very what's the word intriguing you know what i mean it was all was it all in his head Yeah. Like, was it? Was it not? You don't know. Like, do you want me to give away the ending or no? No, preferably not, because I still would like to see it. Yeah, but I'll tell you this. That right there is probably one of my favorite movie moments. Ever? Yeah, it's... Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Oh, they're okay. And he's, like, going on about them, and he's, like, putting on this coat this coat and he goes uh is is that a raincoat yeah it's and I goes, what's with the newspaper you have a little dog chow no and then he's put on them here's the in 1980 they released this hit it's hit to be squared it's a song so catchy that's not only about conformity and the importance of friends but it's well people don't really listen to the message it's not about conformity and the importance of friends but also a statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! And he's like just killing him with the axe and is screaming. And he's Jesus. like, Paul! Oh! Ah! And then he walks away. He's like, this in this created the the splat the. This is like one of the terms of a psychopath when he he's bloods all over his face and he just does it. He just goes straightens up his tie and just walks away. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah. So the author did not like American Psycho. Any questions? No, not at all, my friend. Not at all. Oh my god. Does the chat board have any questions? No, at the moment they don't. <laughs> I checked.
Uh, um, they might have questions. You never know. Um, <laughs> if you have any questions, send them to, to the end, and then we'll answer them at the end. So please save your questions to the end. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, but it's funny, actually. I'm reading up on this. Apparently, Christian Bale and Jared Leto were both in American Psycho, and yet they both played Batman and the Joker. Just want to point uh, that out. Yes, yes. How can we? How can, and then Christian Bale played a villain in Thor: uh, Love and Thunder. So, um, but yeah, American Psycho. Any other comments from American Psycho, my guy? I, I'm good on mine because I'm really. Uh, I, I think I'm good on my end. All right, cool. All right, let's talk about. Is it my turn? It is your turn. All right, I'm gonna save that one for the last. We'll get to that eventually. But uh, let's let's jump over to the the magical and mystical world of Stephen King for a second. Ooh, Stephen King. Uh, we're gonna discuss The Shining. Halloween just happened in the United States a couple a couple days ago. Where do we go? Whatever. Two weeks ago. Oh, well, a week from a week past Monday. So. About a, a, a little over a week ago, yeah. Um, I just want to t- say, tell a brief story really quick about The Shining. Um, so uh, not only have I been to Colorado, Bill, ah, but I have been to the hotel that um, Stephen King was inspired to write The Shining about. Uh, he wrote The Shining. I'm, I'm not forgive me. I'm, put, I'm pulling up my 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 note feed here for a, my my notes for a second for this one super quick because in 2019 my family went out there to Estes Parks, Colorado. For those of you who know what I'm talking about or Stephen King fans, you know what I'm talking about. But basically, Stephen King stayed at the hotel. It, it, there's a there's a hotel called the Stanley Hotel. Mm-hmm. At, and uh, those you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. But they actually they didn't film it at where I was at. They filmed it uh, in Oregon, you know, in a couple, like several states over. But the cool thing about this was I got to see the Stanley Hotel with the inspiration for the book. I got to see the the inside of it. I got to see like the certain rooms and stuff. I I got to go under. They offer tours there and stuff like that too. It's pretty cool. So if you're out there, check it out. Um, but I will say this too. Uh, they obviously filmed Dumb and Dumber out at, at the hotel too. Um, and another thing I want to point out is uh, apparently the room 217, the actual room that Stephen King stayed in, room 217, is booked year round, even by celebrities, to the point where Bob Dylan himself slept there for like a weekend when he was touring there. How crazy is that? It's insane. It, it's you might even say it has a shining to it. Ooh, ah, but a bang. That was terrible. Anyways, uh, but no, but the shining on a, a movie that I actually saw for the first time recently, I want to say year and a half ago, maybe. Truthfully, I saw it pretty pretty recently for the first time ever, and I was taken back. That movie is frightening as can be. Here's Johnny, you know. But as the reason why I do this podcast in the first place is because I have Bill with me. Bill, mm-hmm. what did Stephen King not like about the Shining movie? Yeah, well, before we get to that, I just want to say, um, the you know what I think is even scarier than than the Hughes Johnny part? Oh, uh, uh, the Red Rum. Well, that one also when he when when Jack Nicholson says, "I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna bash your brains in." Oh, yeah, that's actually really frightening. Truthfully. Like you are watching this man go, 
Like, like sl- and the movie itself, it's so slow, but so, so quietly, like just going, like going about his business. He's you know so like the, the buildup in the, the movie is great, but yeah, go on. Cause you know, what's so great about this though, is that I think what's so scary about it is, is that someone like Jack can actually exist. Yeah, no, it's true. Cause he's, He's just a man who goes goes crazy. crazy. Yeah, he goes pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, um, and his performance as Jack Torrance is the most. Okay, King stated that Nicholson comes off as unhinged from the start. While King, while in the book, Jack is a loving father, but highly flawed, and he's slowly driven mad. He feels okay. that Nick, that Jack Nicholson is ready to chop up his family like very early on. And instead of Torrance descending to madness, Kingstein Kubrick's version simply goes from crazy to murderously so. I could see that. It's just at the time, it, it it's just. And he didn't like Jack Torrance because in the in the book he's a loving father, but in the movie he's just emotionally cold and he's already gone crazy. While in the book you see more him develop going, you know, you yeah. see him more develop, and. And, like, first, like, in the book, King's, you know, a satisfying but bittersweet ending is Jack fights off his madness long enough to allow his family to escape. And then the overload explodes and he sacrifices himself. But in the film, Jack just simply freezes to death. Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why... I think that's the reason why Stanley Steve King did not like The Shining. Because because um because it doesn't really show the progression like it does in the book. So you're saying Stephen King didn't like it because it wasn't it wasn't that true to the adaptation of the book itself. Pretty much. Well, I mean, well, to be fair, and to 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 a filmmaking point of view, and to an author point of view, I mean, there's going to be differences. You got to take certain liberties when you make a movie. I mean, like the, if you make a ah, oh, let me just think of an example off the top of my head. Like if you were to do a movie, like uh the closest I've ever seen to an adaptation of a book book to film adaptation that actually worked extremely well. I know Bill hasn't seen it was Harry Potter. Like the last probably four or five movies were so on point. It was crazy. So that's just another side note, but like, so it can be done that way. But then again, JK Rowling actually wrote the screenplay for the movie and she wrote the book itself. So, she and you know she did that all that by herself. And but this is Stephen King talking about who who wrote a book, who had his inspiration for the book and what and all that stuff. And then here comes I'm not sure what movie studio 
got it. But like, here comes a movie studio saying, "Hey, uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, hey, we're we're gonna make a movie called The Shining based on your book. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure, whatever, whatever." And they take certain liberties. No, duh, the audit, the author's gonna get pissed off. But at the same time, it's like the film is the film, the book is the book, and you're like even. I hate to say this, these words, but Diary of a Wimpy Kid, they did that too. So it just depends on what, what type of medium you're looking at, truthfully. But we're talking about The Shining, and The Shining was a brilliant movie. But And I will say, though, um, not only was it a brilliant movie, but the, as Bill was saying, though, but the book did differ. So the movie did differ from the book a little bit, and uh, Stephen King was not too happy about that, was he? No, I don't think Stephen King likes most of adaptations on his books. I just, I think he's, I think he's happy to. Truthfully, I feel like Stephen King is a very happy guy. He's like, hey, yeah, you can use it. You can use The Shining. You can use, use the property, and I get residual rights. I'll get like probably five percent of the profits or ten percent of the profits, whatever it is, because it's my idea. It's my concept. You're you're making it into a different form, and I would like some of the profits. That makes sense. But this, this was, I feel like this is another example of just like a book to a movie that I, 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 I feel like people forget that this was even a book. Really? I've, I, I, cause up until we, up until tonight's discussion, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't realize, I didn't realize The Shining was a book until I had to remind myself, oh, that's right. It was a book. It, it took me a little while. I was like, wait, I, th- I thought it was just a movie, but it turns out it was just a book. And then they made it into a movie. So. <laughs> Like Jaws, look at Jaws. Same thing. Yeah, and I think I told you as so we were talking about Jaws one time. Here's a little fun fact: the off. Remember that scene when they're on the beach? Yeah, and it's and the TV reporters there. That's actually the author of the book. You did. You told me that. Yep. And all the people. We're on TV. We're in the movie. <laughs> so funny. Um, but yeah, bottom line: The Shining. If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It's really something really crazy, awesome. Oh, it is really awesome, but crazy. <laughs> Let's be real. I oh, mean, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum. Yes. And by the way, just for those of you who are live in the U.S., if you do travel to uh, Colorado and Estes Park, uh, it's about an hour outside of Denver, uh, but there is a um, there is a real life hotel. Called uh, the a, the the Stanley Hotel, and it was where Stephen King stayed. And if you can book, a, good luck booking your room at the at the hotel, because uh, it is it is a true um, what's the term? Um, it is a true journey to go there. They offer tours and stuff like that, like I was saying. But it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how they do that out there. So, uh, but yeah, that's just uh, that's just me. Uh, Bill, what is your next? pick or, or is it my turn because you just no, went, it's right? my turn it's your turn go ahead okay i think if it's okay this is one that we both had yes what is what's up mary poppins yes so for those, and i, I want to start this conversation with bill first we have to begin by saying one two three we swipe right Wait. oh my god it's been a little while there pal it's been a little while since we swiped right. Um, oh, yes. Um, I will treat you to pizza at some point. Don't worry. Sounds good. <laughs> you know, I never say no to pizza. No, of course not. Especially since we're in New York. Uh, anyways, uh, Mary Poppins. I'll start this conversation. I'll let Bill finish it. But, but Mary Poppins, we're talking about the 1964 movie. It was based on a book. 
Um, and I mean, it, one of the Disney classics too of, of the live action era of Disney in general. I mean, truly a work of art if you think about it. Uh, I mean, when you think when most people think of Mary Poppins, they think of this movie. They don't really think of like um, they might think of the Broadway play that was on for a while there. You know what I mean? They might think of um, I came in. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. Anyways, but a lot to say here, a lot to say. But at the same time, the the author was not happy with those this one either, Bill. Yes, I actually know a lot of the details. Talk to me, bud. What do you got? And why? Why? Bill? Guess what? You, you, you sure you guys want to hear it? No. Well, guess what? Too bad. You should have clicked to watch this thing. Um. Yes. Sorry, everyone. But you on. didn't want to learn things. Okay. Yes. P.L. Travers or Pamela Travers was actually who was the author of the Mary Poppins books who was the author of the Mary Poppins books in that she wrote in like the 50s and 60s and then in 1961 and then in 1961, a Walt Disney's daughter, Walt Disney's daughter actually really loved the books and he wanted to, and he wanted to make the, and he wanted to get the film rights and make them into a movie. If you want to see, like, go like, watch, this. what was it? I have heard this, but go on. You, you, you just refreshed my memory, so. Yeah, I, I'll tell you more. But if you really want to watch how everything really went down, um, I recommend the movie Saving Mr. Banks. Yes, great movie. Fantastic with, movie. With Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson. Um, yes, the, a fantastic movie. Yeah, because I was actually watching a documentary about this, about the whole thing with... with um. Walt Disney and P.L. Travers is because that um, I think why it was going to be so hard because at this time a lot of the authors of a lot of the authors that Walt Disney did movies of a lot of them at this time were dead and buried like Lewis Carroll A.A. A. Milnes J.M. You know, Lewis Carroll who did who did um, Alice in Wonderland, um, Carlo Collodi, who did Pinocchio, um, you know, the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales, Lewis Carroll, who did Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. All of them at this time were dead and buried, and he didn't really have to go through fights with them, maybe with their estate, but not through fights with them. But since P.L. Travers at the time was alive and kicking... She was very, she was very particular about how she wanted the film to be. And she was afraid. And, and you know what? Like, if you've seen the movie Saving Mr. Banks, you could tell that P.L. Travers had a giant stick up her, you know what? Oh. But you know what? At the end of the day, the Mary Poppins actually had sentimental value to her because 
her mother, I think, passed away. Her father had a, was an alcoholic. And her aunt, the Mary Poppins is actually based on her aunt that came in and helped. But yeah, but getting back to the books, the books are actually darker. Really? The books are like, I haven't read any of the books, but there was actually a, but there was actually a, a thing in the, um, in the book, it was a thing called Bad Tuesday when Jane with Mary Poppins goes, puts her basically into this world with this old man saying, you now live here with me because you were in a bad mood. And and basically just, and she was going, I want to go home, I want to go home. And Mary Poppins took her out. Like in the book, she was supposed to be stricter. She was supposed to be more mysterious. Really? But in the movie, you know, she's the Julie Andrews, so sweet and charming. And the wolf for a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. You know, the nice, wholesome the nice and wholesome um, uh, Mary Poppins compared to the darker Mary Poppins. Yeah. And, uh, and, but anyway, um, you know, like one of the things that they didn't like, you know, the iconic songs, the, you know, the spoonful of sugar, the chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim cherry. And of course the, it's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It is something quite atrocious. Something, 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 something. Always sound precocious. But anyway, but anyway, um, and step Don't in try time. Try this at home, kids. Step in time. Step in time. Um, but that—that's Disney's work of art, right there. That is all Disney, right there. That you know, created by the. Created by the, you know, the the great minds known as the Sherman Brothers. Yeah. You know what others, just quick tangent, you know what other song they wrote? What? The Sherman Brothers. That was, it's not a Mary Poppins. It's the song that Richard Sherman of the Sherman Brothers had said, every time people found out that I wrote this certain song, they either want to kiss me or kill me. Oh God, which one is it? It's a small world after all. Stop right now. <laughs> yeah, he said when they find out I wrote that song, they e- they either want to kiss me or kill me. Oh, God. God help us all, man. Yeah. But Richard Sherman, he's 90-something years old and still kicking. God bless him. Um, Yeah, for but, real. But anyway, the songs. Um, P.L. Travers did not like the songs. For real? Yeah, she did not want it as a musical. Oh, that's... I mean, I could see why, but, I mean, they got to do something, you know? She didn't... She want... Like, I think she did like that song, Feed the Birds, which is a very nice song, and... It is. It's very peaceful. Yeah. lack of a better word. But there was... I think she may have liked the song, Let's Go Fly a Kite, if you've seen, again, Saving Mr. Banks. Yes, great. Great movie, can't recommend it enough. But um, she did not like. She, she thought it was just gonna be. 
she thought it was just gonna be too she she didn't like the that the Sherman brothers and that they were making in that they were making the music and they just did not she didn't like it. She really hated it. And because she didn't want it as a musical, she wanted it to be. I think she was just because like throughout the film, they're like, she doesn't sign the film rights to like the end. And then and then here's like what happened. Um Here's a fact. Walt Disney didn't invite her to the premiere. At all. They did not invite her at all. Walt Disney literally had to flop. No. Like in that movie, again, saving Mr. Banks. They're like, they're like, oh, when she, he's like setting up the, the for the premiere and there was the guest list going. We didn't invite her going. I ah, will have the premiere in London. She, It's going to be easier for her to get to. We have a premiere in London, so it'll be easier for her to get to there. Oh, my God. Wow. And they actual, and I guess they said, oh, you go to the premiere. Goes, I didn't get an invite. She actually got on a plane, flew to Hollywood and said, Mr. Disney, you, um, you, you must have lost my invite in the mail. And then he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, um. Okay, it'll be at this day. We'd love for you to be there. And yeah, but no, again, back to the music. She didn't like the Sherman Brothers songs. She wanted known songs from the 1900s, like the uh, like the hit song that everybody knows. I got something in my pocket. No, that's not a real song. I just made it up. Um, oh my god. But anyway, but yeah, but when she went to the movie, she was crying, not because she loved it, because she despised it. She despised that film with a burning passion. She said, I felt like I just wanted to cry at how bad it was. And she really hated all the animated scenes. Like at the end of the movie, Walt Disney went over to her and said, So, Pam, what'd you think of it? And she goes, Well, can you take the cartoons? I goes, Pam, that ship has sailed. Basically, we can't do a damn thing. Deal with it. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, like, for after that, and, like, even before the film, P.L. Travers lived a very seclusive life after that. I'm sure she did. Like, for a while, I think I heard somewhere that she didn't write books for a while after the movie because she was just so disgusted. Hmm. And... And, like, she went into seclusion, and there was actually a, you know what, like, I think, because I, there was talk that later on she may have softened her position on the film, because there was a, um, that she did an interview, like, years later in a, on a British radio show. Yeah. And I said, you know, we have to ask you, Miss Travers, um. 1964, Walt Disney made a film adaptation of Mary Poppins. And um, what were your thoughts on the film? She did say, I did like, um, I did like Julie Andrews. She said, I did like Julie Andrews, but um, I'm sure on its own merit, it's a good film, but it's not as good as my books. 
you know, I don't know if she really, I don't know if she, because during when Saving Mr. Banks was coming out, I'm, yeah, this is courtesy of one of our favorite TV shows, JT. Which is? Oh, TMZ. They're actually useful for something. Oh, go Go on. They they actually saw, what's her say, Dick Van Dyke. Really? And they said, hey, um, they did like an ambush interview. And, you know, Dick Van Dyke being the classy gentleman he is. He he played along. He goes, so uh, what did you think of? um, So so what this goes? Well, what would PL what was PL Travers like when she was filming Mary Poppins? Um. What was she, what was she like when you were filming Mary Poppins? Dave Van Dyke just straight up said, "Oh, she was a bitch." Oh, God. Dave Van Dyke, who was one of the most wholesome people on earth. Oof. That's she a said, that, that's an oof moment. She goes, "Oh, she was a bitch," and she goes, "She hated everyone. She hated Walt. She hated me. She hated Julie." Oh God. And. Yeah, she goes, yeah, she, she, she goes, but, um, no, I've heard, like, Richard Sherman of the Sherman Bros. Oh, P.L. Travers, she was a lovely lady. And they're like, uh, Richard, tell us how you really feel. It's okay. She's dead. You could say she's an asshole. We, she said, you could say she's a bitch. We, we understand. Oh, God. Um, you don't have to play nice anymore, Richard. You, you can tell us the truth. Yes. But. But we have Dick Van Dyke, who's one of the most wholesome people on earth, calling you a bitch. You know, you did something wrong. But, and I'll just say this one more thing about P.L. Travers. Like, into, and here's an interesting fact when they were making into her, into that Broadway show, she was working on the show when she was in her 90s. Wow. She was in her 90s when she was working on this, on the Mary Poppins stage show. And she made some conditions. One, no American writers allowed. Wow. And nobody from film production. Big, big request right there. Especially, she basically said, keep the Sherman brothers as far away from this as humanly possible. Damn. And they did write new songs for the, the show, even though they did keep the songs from the movie, though. The, to be fair, they did keep the songs from their they did keep their songs from the movie. Um and it's uh and but um yeah, she um and 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 I think the I don't know, I never saw the sh- the Broadway show, but I think it was a mix of the movie and the book or the books. I, I saw the um the Broadway show actually at huh. one point. Saw it back when it was on, uh when it was still on Broadway, of course. Uh don't get me wrong. But it was I don't remember specifics. It was it was if it was like 2006 or seven, I was really young and stuff like that. Or maybe, maybe I'm not sure when it was when I saw it specifically, but I was a lot younger than I am now. Uh, and I do remember though, I, I, it was very similar to the book, 
uh, to the book. More similar to the movie than the book, I guess you could say. But it definitely had it was there's some uh, some differences I remember. Not, I don't remember I don't remember anything specific, but I do know that. So I mean, it was a good play for what it was on Broadway. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, it took them years for get to get. It didn't get on to West End until 2004. And development started in 1993. Mm -hmm. And she only agreed to the stage production if they had all English writers and no one who worked from the Disney film. She died three years later in 1996. Crazy. And it ran from... And it ran from, and it ran on Broadway until from two thousand, from two thousand six to two thousand thirteen. That sounds about right. I saw it during that run. I'm not sure when it was on. I'm not sure when I saw it, but I, I did see it during that those years. I'm not sure when though. And and what happened was, you know at. So, yeah, but you know what? You know, this brings up an interesting point. Um, was was Pam Travers being a real, what I just called her, or do you maybe think she was just protective of her work? Honestly, and I, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I will say this. I think with all the authors we're talking about tonight, I think with all the movies we're talking about, I think the authors, if you look at it this way, the authors had a vision. They had a vision of what they would of a world they created with their book, right? And here comes someone with a lot of money and a lot of talent. Two key things. And they say, hey, let's make a movie of this book, but we're gonna change a couple of things. We're gonna do change this chapter out. We're gonna change this chapter. It, it does not it does not concern me whatsoever that I don't think for a second that any of the authors we talked about we're talking about tonight were at all at all um what's the word um i don't think that i don't think that it, i think they all, all had a right to be upset with the studio with the creative talent for the movie with the director with the writer of the screenplay it could be anything but I think they had a right to be upset because it's their work. It's their money-making tool for themselves as an author of a book that is a na national bestseller, worldwide bestseller, whatever. It only makes sense that it'd be like, okay, well, it's different. It's different when the author is creative input. You know what I mean, Bill? Yeah. Like I would say like with the author having creative input, for Mary Poppins, let's just say it for a second, right? If the author, and I'm forgetting her name, I know you just said her like a bunch of times. P.L. Travers. P.L. Yeah, Travers. If P.L. Travers had a lot of input, then the movie would have come out very differently from what we got. Because I believe, just with this specific, specific example of Disney and Mary Poppins, I believe personally that Mary Poppins this is just my own guess, my own belief. Walt Disney saw something in the books or his daughter saw something in the books and after whatever, whatever however saw him first. And 
given the fact that the daughter, given the fact that Disney, who at the time was a creative force in Hollywood with like tons and tons and tons of story success, whatever, you name it, he's got success. But, um, but I will say this as far as him being, uh, him seeing the, him, him as a visionary, I'm sure he was like, hmm, maybe we could change this up a little bit. Keep it, keep the original, keep the original plot of a woman, uh, a woman named Mary Poppins comes to these kids, they take her away, uh, then they follow that story, but they add stuff to it to make it more audience friendly than the book originally interpreted as. To me, that makes sense from a business standpoint, from like a financial standpoint, from a uh, from a creative standpoint. I mean, to me, that makes sense for that. But that, that's just me for the authors and like the creative outlook on stuff like that. But that's me. Uh, I mean, people are entitled to their own opinions, and that's totally fine. I mean, Bill's entitled to his opinion. I'm entitled to mine. That's just what I think personally. They do. I, I think it's what that's all. So whenever they say, "Oh, but the movie was different from the book," that's why. The visionary, the filmmaker, has a different, a similar but different vision from the book, uh, from the from the book adaptation of the story. You know what I mean? So oh, absolutely. Just, I mean, like you look at some of the biggest, earliest films too. A lot of them were like The Wizard of Oz. Same thing. Yeah, you know, we're not going to talk about that tonight, but that's just something else too. So, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah. Anyways, Mary Poppins. I know we went off on a bit of a tangent there, but still. Yeah, but you know what? Um, but like I said, you know what? As much as she could really have a stick up her, you know what? You kind of got to admire that she was very protective of her work. I agree. Like, you know, like I was said earlier, she she based Mary Poppins off someone who was very special to her, her aunt, who may have been very strict, but maybe she needed that. Like, because... Her mom, you know, her mom had passed. I think her either her mom passed or she left, and her father what? And her father had a um. And her father had a drinking problem, right? And he was an alcoholic, and he couldn't, and he was trying to hold down a job and care for the family. And like, there is a scene in the movie Saving Mr. Banks, which this is when the Sherman brothers are playing. The song, they, you know that scene in Mary Poppins when they're at the bank and they're singing that the banker song or something like that? And yeah, because like it's words that are similar to a speech that 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 um P.L. Travis's father gave that she was there for. And she just like in the middle of the song, she goes, stop. And she's like just having traumatic flashbacks to her childhood. She's like, why did you make her so? You know, Mr. Banks, why did you make him so cruel? And, you know, but you know what? When you look at someone like Mary, I think because that was based off her aunt and that person was very special and helped her have a better childhood and helped her have a better life and a better family. So I agree. I think maybe that's why she was so protective of it. And yeah, you know it's like you know before we move on in again saving Mr. Banks. There's a scene when Walt Disney sort of understands why because there is actually a scene when he's talking to I think either Richard or Robert Sherman and he goes, you know there was a time I was basically broke. 
I didn't have a penny to my name. And the studio, they wanted him. They wanted the mouse. Hmm. They were willing to pay me a boatload of money. And I said, no. Wow. Even though at the point he didn't have a pot to piss in. Wow. And he, they wanted, in other words, they wanted to get him to give them Mickey. I see. Which for you, those who don't know, is like the face of Disney. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, you, the, the mouse is king. So, who? And, and he didn't give him up, even though he was broke as hell. So I think maybe he understands what P.L. Travis is going for. Right. And one last thing. You know what really could have scared them away, Sherman Brothers? You just could have went, it's a small world after all. It's a small world. Oh, that would have sent her running out of the room. That would have petrified her. Okay. <laughs> God, we went on a whole doctoral thesis on this. Um, no, we did good, though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. All right, what's next, my friend? But bottom line, bottom line, Mary Poppins, great movie overall, but check out the book too. Um, now, did you want to touch on? Uh, we, by the way, just so you know, right now we've been going for an hour. Mm. God, I forgot what other ones I wanted to talk about. I'm, I know I have two other ones I wanted to talk about. I have. Um, t- tell me this: Did you touch on? Um, did you want to touch on uh, One Full of the Cougar's Nest? Have you seen that movie? I have seen I did a review, remember? Oh, dirt, dirt, dirt. Sorry, everyone. Dirt, dirt, dirt. Sorry about one Go right ahead. Uh, no, I, I'm gonna, this is all you. Uh, all you right now. Uh, I, I didn't even... I, I don't know much about the book, so hold on. Uh, I didn't know the author... Wait, the author hated the book? This is this is one of the ones I looked up. I did my, my research for tonight's show, yeah. Okay, hold on. Now I gotta pull something up. Um, if not, we can just skip this one. It's totally fine. You know, I'm kind of interested to know why. So, who was the author? Uh, the Ken Kessie, K E S E Y. We're doing this live. It's totally fine, everyone. Just you And another Jack Nicholson movie that with him, where he went crazy. Yeah, we're really talking about Jack Nicholson tonight. Watch, we're talking about the Joker next with Batman. We are. No, no, we're not. I'm just kidding. I mean, Bob Kane was dead for a long time, so. No, Bob Kane was still alive during um during that Batman, time period. During Batman '89. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, uh, like here. you know that scene when he's um when they're at and then some guy is drawing a sketch. Oh, that that guy. That's Bob Kane. That's Bob Kane. Oh wow, that's crazy. So. And you know, whilst we look up, here's a little music. It's a small world. Oh, that'll, I think we would get a million unsubscribers if we did that. You're going to turn off every single one of our viewers. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, hold up, folks. Hold okay. up. I, I will say this movie is very, uh, what's the word? Um, What's the word? One flew over the cuckoos. And for those of you who don't know, it's a movie about a, a guy who is sent to go in and uh, investigate something in a psychiatric ward. Truthfully. No, and he then, just pays to be crazy to get into the psychiatric ward. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That's why we have Bill here. Uh, he fakes himself to, of being crazy to get into the psych ward, but he ends up going crazy. And then he 
basically just walked out with with a bunch of the inmates. I mean, there's more to it, but that's like the overall gist of it. Like, he, it's a very, it's one of those movies where you, it's one of Jack Nicholson's like earlier films too. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, hold on, I'm just pulling it up. Um, yeah. Bill's wait. gonna. Bill's gonna give us the Cliff Notes version in a second. Yeah, so. I didn't even know he hated it until like ten until ten seconds ago. So yeah, so this is where I did my research, but that's me. Hey, your research is good. Remember, kids, do your research. Always do your research. This uh, this quick break has been brought to you by Refresh Water. Check us out. Drink water. It stay hydrated. Yeah, so you can't sue us for that. Just saying because water is the public domain. Water is the public domain. <laughs> oh, by the way, Louise Fletcher, yeah. who played um, what's her face, Nurse Ratchet, she re- she actually recently passed away. Oh, did she really? Yeah. So uh, rest in peace. Wait, the the this woman right here, she's dead. Yeah, she died recently. Oh my god, I didn't even know that. Wow. That's crazy. You know, you want to talk about crazy? This movie's pretty crazy. No, this is it. Okay. Right. Ken Cassie purchased the rights to the film story after he tried a decade to bring it to the bring sh- to the big screen, but he was unable to find a studio and will it to make it write it with him. Eventually he said he sold his rights to Michael, to his son Michael Douglas, who oh uh, Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Wasn't because he was in the Broadway sh- version of it. And Introduced Douglas to, to the work of my, my, Milos Foreman. God, I can't. I, I'm trying to find why he hated the movie. Um, Would you like some help? That'd be very appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> Hold on one second. Uh, well, Bill is. Looking up his film, um, for this one, I'm gonna look it up too. <laughs> if I could spell on my iPhone, just saying, all right, one fruit of cuckoo's nest. Here we go. I got you. I'm saving Bill right now. Save me. I am saving Bill. So let me read off a little bit of this for you. So here's the dealio. So here's the deal, everyone. One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest was critically acclaimed and received by numerous acolytes. Along with the Best Picture Oscar, it earned Jack Nicholson his first Academy Award, and Louise Floucher took home the Best Actress for her portrayal of one of her most famous villain, villains of all time, Nurse Ratched. However, none of these accolades changed Ke- the author's hatred for this a- adaptation of his work. Kezi, I'm going to butcher his name. Kezi was offered the opportunity to write a screenplay, but his script didn't work, leading to a fallout. Hmm. This made him bitter. He was also disappointed that the character of Chief B- Bromden, Bromden was removed from, from the narrator role, and, and the author avoided the movie like the plague, and even passed over it while channel surfing. So basically, he just didn't like the portrayal of how certain things were, 
and he was offered a screenplay, but it, his script didn't work. And therefore, they had a fallout. That's all it was. Nothing too major there, but still. There was a, the, the article I just read had no specifics from the actual book itself, the book or the movie. That's just, this is just wanted to point that out to you guys for in general. So, but yeah. Yeah, it says right here, once yeah. the over the cuckoo's nest with Milo Foreman's more grounded and morally ambiguous approach to the more surrealistic novel, yielding a film of outsized power. Catsy himself claimed to never have seen the movie, but said he disliked what he knew of it, a fact confirmed by Chuck Pollock. The first time I heard this story, it was through the movie starring Jack Nicholson, a movie that Ken Kessie once told me he disliked. And you know what the funniest thing is? What's that? This movie actually won the big five at the Oscars. Um, Best Picture, Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Director, and Best Actress. All five. Wow. It is only one of the... It is one of the only three films to do it. The other two being... 40 years earlier with It Happened One Night and then nearly 20 years later with um, Silence of the Lambs. So there's like three films in history that have done that. It is one of, yeah, it is only the second film to do that. Why do I feel like we've talked about that at one point? We did did it with Matt Hamsley, didn't we? We probably did. Not just Matt Hamsley. Our snubbed Oscars or Oscar thing? Something like that, whatever. Yeah. Not just Matt Hemsley. Sorry, Doctor. Doctor Matt Hemsley. When we talk with about him, especially in the field of Oscars, we must address him by his title. Yes, doc- oh hell, Doctor Matt Hemsley. Doctor Matt Hemsley. Uh, no, just saying this right now. We should have him on for Oscar season preview. Oh, we're, you know we're gonna have him on for Oscars for the twenty twenty two Oscar season preview. We have to. There's oh, no oh, you're damn right. We're gonna have have him on. He's yeah. our Oscars expert. He's Doctor Matt Hemsley. Yes. Um. But anyways. Anyway. Um. Uh. By the way, uh, Doctor Matt Hemsley got his PhD from the University of Bill. If you want to know more, call one eight hundred. Got Bill. So anyway. Um. Yeah. So. I mean that that's really all I had for this movie. Yeah, I just wanted to. Really, I, 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 I wanted I, to bring it up. You know. I really have. Nothing left to say on that matter. All right. Well, I only one have one more pick. Oh, I, oh, I got one too. Um, okay. Why don't we start with yours? All right. So, anyways, one foot. But I, I know we're sort of jumping around at this point. But jump around, jump, jump, jump around. Um, but basically, um, I was gonna say. Um, but yeah, one foot of the cuckoo's nest. The author was unhappy with it. It was based off a book, and it did win the uh, five Oscars. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good night. Good night. Um, what is your pick? Before I go to my last pick, what's your last pick? And I'm going to mind them. We'll kind of wrap it up with the, the final one. Oh, 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 okay. Hold on. So we're doing my pick, your pick, and then one, and then one more pick. Is that what we're doing? The one we talked about in our chat. Yes. Group chat. Yes. The Zoom. Okay. Chat. The one I want to talk about is. Which one? Okay. Here's actually one. It's a, um, because this was actually based off a book when I, that I read when I was in third and fourth grade, and that is Charlotte's Web.
the movie itself, right? Yeah, which was based off the book by E.B. White. The animated movie, right? Yeah, and you know who actually did... It was an animated musical, and you know who actually did the songs to it? Who? The same people who did the songs to Mary Poppins, the Sherman Brothers. Oh, I can only imagine how this went over, Bill. You know, because... And this was one of their very few non-Disney projects. What do I feel like I've seen this? Because after um, after Walt Disney died in 1966, they only did one other Disney film after that. And then they were doing stuff with other studios. And then... And then... um. And then what should we call it? Um, and then they got back to Disney in the late nineties. But anyway, um, but anyway, um, for those of you who haven't read the book, um, it's about a pig named Wilbur, who's on a. Here's a short version. He he frames a. He friends a spider named, well, Charlotte. Because the name of the movie is Charlotte's Web. Yep. And the name of the movie is, well, Charlotte's Web. And, but it finds out that later on, you know, the really thing that made us talk about life is that, okay, she was about to lay eggs. For the spider, and she's after I lay the eggs, I won't be around much longer. Because what do you mean? Goes pretty soon, and she just bluntly says it's pretty dark for a kids' film. She says, she straight up says, "Because pretty soon I'll be dead." That's very sad for a kids' movie. That's pretty sad, dude. You know, for kids. But anyway. But anyway, the the movie was actually created by um this was actually produced by Joseph Barbera and William Hanna, who you might remember gave us such great cartoons such as the Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. Heck They're yeah. the Modern Stone Age family. Yes, what else? Um the Jetsons. Oh, me, George Jetson. And Yogi Bear. Yeah, hey, Yogi. How you doing? And hey, boo-boo. Anyway, when the film was over, um, there was one person who did not like the film. And Ooh, who Bill. was that? It was the author, E.B. White. Oh, no. Here we go. And E.B.'s wife wrote a very detailed letter to to Hanna-Barbera. And, oh, they, um... No, I don't know if it was White or his wife, but a letter was written by one of them. And it said, we have never ceased to regret that your version of Charlotte's Web never got made. The Hanna-Barbera version never pleased either of us. A travesty. 
The story interrupted every few minutes that somebody can sing a jolly song. I don't care much for jolly songs. Okay, well, what do you want? A requiem mass? Um, the Blue Hail Fair, which I tried to report faithfully in the book, has become a Disney world with 76 trombones. But that's what you get for getting embroiled in Hollywood. While White had previously turned down Disney when they offered... Disney actually offered to make a film on this book. And E.B. White's wife actually said, instead of the Sherman brothers, the poor Sherman brothers, seriously, first yeah. P.L. Travers and now this, offered advice and suggestions, said they wanted the music of Mozart in the film rather than the Sherman brothers. Hmm. I don't, I can't really see Mozart's music working on a movie that's set on a farm, you know? No, I really can't. It's like, it's like, um, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, you know, I could kind of maybe see why I haven't seen this movie in a while, but when when you're both bursting out into jolly songs, because come to think about it, Charlotte's Web is pretty dark. Yeah, it's uh, it was also made in 1973. You know, before certain movies terrified us in the 90s and 2000s. Um, yeah, like this is when movies like were really. Yeah, so especially animated movies back then. Oh my god. We got lots in common when it really counts. Sorry, I like that song. But anyway, um, but anyway, um, the pig always scared me. But yeah, the maybe because and but you know what, the song that Charlotte sings before she dies is very sad. So it's very beautiful, but very. Sad, but you know, just the way she just straight up say it to Wilbur. She goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna die." You know, we can respect her for being blunt, blunt and honest. Yeah, no, you're right. We can, yeah, but um, yeah, E.B. White basically didn't like the film because he thought it was too happy. Too happy? Because <laughs> he said I didn't like the jolly songs. That's ridiculous. Okay, like some of these people can really get all, you know, stuffy about this, about their film, about their books. All right, you want to go next? And then we'll do yeah. the last one after yours. Bottom line, this is a very odd movie for 1973, but just deal with it. But yeah. Super Review Show commentary coming soon. No, I'm just kidding. We, we don't no. have No. I'm Look, putting my foot down on that one. No. Are you anti-pigs or anti-spiders, JT? I'm not anti I'm not anti either one of them because I have bacon every day, just saying. And I wake up in the morning. Sorry. Bad jokes. Anyways. Are you uh, anti-spiders? No. Not really. Just kidding. All right. Anyways. My last pick of the night, and then Bill and I are gonna go off on one big topic, I guess, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> All right, you ready for this? You, I, I, you have not seen this movie. I've only seen, I think, I've seen parts of it. Is what I think seventy five percent of it. I don't even because it's a long movie too. But it's like it's interesting how this is the first one I thought of for tonight's topic. But Watchmen from two thousand nine. 
Uh, the, uh, do you remember this movie at all? Vaguely. Okay. So bottom line, for those you who don't know, Watchmen is a is a based on the superhero sort of superhero. Uh, about um is based on the uh, DC Comics graphic novel called Watchmen, and Zack Snyder, visionary director Zack Snyder, who actually I'm a big Zack Snyder guy. Truth, I, I I like a lot of his work. Oh, I like Zack Snyder too. He's a very action heavy. You know, I shouldn't say he's action heavy, but he has a lot of his movies have a lot of depth. Them, I mean, some people think he's like strange whatever but like let's face it he's like he's a really solid director overall he took this he took the graphic novel of watchmen and made it as close to the graphic novel as you could get it's just the way the film came out did not really deliver on every level that they thought they would they thought it would um land if you know what i mean mm-hmm uh, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, just Google the words Watchmen 2009 or Watchmen movie, and you can go watch it on um, on HBO Max, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, well, it's so. DC, though, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a DC movie. It's two hours and 43 minutes, but the movie extended cut, it, the extended cut is, is, hold on one second. I have to, I want to, I just want to say how long it is, because it's like, it's very, it's not a bad movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's very long. There's some drawn out stuff here and there, but it is very, uh, a lot. Zach, bottom line, Zach Snyder did the best he could with this property. It's a, for a long time, people thought it was impossible to do as a movie. And yet somehow Warner Brothers greenlit it. And then we got the movie we got. Um, it's a great story. Don't get me wrong. Watchmen. Uh, great set of characters. Um, I actually, it's funny. Um, I actually went to, um, I was at New York Comic Con a couple, I want to say in 2018 or 2019. And there was a panel talking about the, and I, I get a small tangent, talking about, with Jeff Johns of DC, the head of DC comics was there and he was talking about how to bring the watchman into the Superman and Batman world and cross those universes over kind of thing. And they were talking about that anyways, really cool stuff. But for a long time, they thought this was not going to be a, a movie and don't get me wrong. The movie was the movie and the graphic novel was the graphic novel. But one of the things that I love that Zack Snyder tried to do for this movie was create a, like create shot for shot, scene for scene reenactments of certain things. He really tried his best. Uh, he did a very d- decent job of it personally. Uh, he was probably the right man, the, one of the only directors who could probably pull it off, truthfully. But I mean, we got the film we got, but the, the, our, to, going back to our topic tonight, film adaptations that the author hated. Alan Moore, and I'm going to pull this up really quick. Uh, graphic novel. Uh, yeah, uh, the author of uh, his and the guy name's guy's name is Alan Moore. He's a very visionary comic book director. Um, but yeah, he 
he really did not like how this movie came out at all. He was not a fan of it whatsoever. Um, because it's just hard to do stuff like that, and he did it the best he could. And Alan Moore of The Watchmen basically uh, did not like how it came out at all. Which I mean, but then again, the source material was really hard to draw from to begin with. So, bottom line, we got the film we got. Alan Moore didn't like it. For, for what it was worth, people liked it for what it was. No, I, I heard people like it. I keep trying to sit down and watch it, but I haven't done that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the extended cut, I believe, is... There's two different cuts. I forget. Hold on. Let me just see something. There's two different cuts. There's a there's one cut that is 163 minutes, and the release is... Hold on. Uh, one no, no runtime two hours and 43 minutes which is like really long don't get me wrong um zach snyder is known for longer films but there was an extended cut of it as well the, the director's cut that's what it was director's cut the director's cut runtime is sorry everyone i'm just trying to figure it out it's still two hours and 43 minutes so yeah it's it's a long movie, but at the same time, if you have time, you can sit through it. How long is it? Two hours and 43 minutes. That's not that. I mean, look, look, Interstellar was that long. By Christopher uh, Nolan. I think Zack Snyder is Christopher Nolan sometimes. I feel like, and I, this is just my humble opinion. This could be a whole other topic for another mixed bag. Why has not? Why have other countries reintroduced the intermission, and other movies in the United States has not? Avatar two is coming out soon, and I'd like to see it. Truthfully, not because like I'm a big Avatar fan, but just because I'm like, curious about it. It's three hours and thirteen minutes long. Who the hell is going to sit down for three hours thirteen minutes and not have to pee? All right, so uh, you got to go on a liquid and food fast. Yes. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, but why? Like in India and other parts of the world, they have intermissions still because the movies are so long. Anyways, I digress. Let's um, all go to the lobby. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it, man. Bring back the intermission. Seriously, if someone out there is listening to this, do it. So, you know, uh, James Cameron, bring out the uh, intermission again. <laughs> um, anyways, I digress. Is it so, time? It's time for our last pick of the evening, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. You know we had to do it. And Bill and I are going to talk about one movie in particular that by one author. And we talked a little bit about it last week. No, was it last week or whenever we did our Burton thing? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Thank you. Sorry. I'm losing time. And you know what? Okay. Because I could literally give you a... Yes, we are going to talk about the... um, About this certain movie. But I'm also going to throw some bullet points about some other adaptations of this author, if that's okay. Um, yeah, but the but the main focus of the conversation. The big one. Yeah. KT, come with me, and you will be in the world of pure imagination. Willy Wonka. Willy no, Wonka. Willy and Sorry. the Chocolate Factory. Wrong one, everyone. Not the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but the Willy Wonka and the Charlie and the Charlie. Willy you Wonka. Know what I- Noticed though, um, with the Gene Wilder one, you know what I've noticed? Um, 
JT, have you ever noticed that um what's that? That Willie and the Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is all about Charlie, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is all about Willy Wonka. The more you know. <laughs> this has been another edition of with Bill. With Bill. Oh! What do they wait if they guess this, the the song that's parried in? So if you can guess whatever song that is, you can reach us on our Instagram page and by commenting or DMing us simply by saying, I know the name of that song, and the name of that song is I'm not telling you. But if you get it, you can reach us at 1 800 got bill. And what do they win? And they win not only do they win a signed 1 800 got bill t shirt signed by Bill himself. Signed by me! Yes, yeah, signed by the Bill. Uh, but they also they also win his respect. You win my respect. And that's a isn't that the the greatest prize of all? My respect. I think the greatest prize of all is chocolate, since we're talking about the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory here. So is the golden ticket. Okay. That's your golden ticket right there. But I'm bing. Sorry. But okay, I'm gonna admit this is a childhood favorite of mine. Yeah, it's a good one. And this movie was based on a book by Roald Dahl. But um while the movie I think at first it was like a sleeper hit and you know gained a cult following later. Roald Dahl did not like this movie. Even though he wrote the screenplay, he didn't like the movie. He disowned the movie for a few reasons. And we're going to, and you're going to hear about them right now because that is what you're here for. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on. Old Dahl's reaction. There we go. Okay, Dahl disowned the film and was infuriated by the plot deviations. And guess what? He didn't like the music. How? <laughs> like the songs, they're instant classics. They really are. And you can't lie there. Pure imagination. I got a golden ticket. He said they were saccharine, sappy, and sentimental. Terrible. And he didn't like the film placed too much emphasis on Willy Wonka and not enough on Charlie. I disagree. I feel Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like I said, was all about Charlie. Yeah. It was all about Charlie. And he also, you know who who he all what also he didn't like? Ooh. He did not like Spike Milligan. And he didn't like Gene Wilder. First off, how could you not love Gene Wilder? I mean, rip, seriously, but how could you not love him? He wanted Spike Milligan to be Gene to be Willy Wonka. That's weird. Sorry, I hate to say that, but that's weird. And And you know what I think it, and he also did, I think he also thought the end was pretty sappy because they kind of changed the ending a little bit. Okay. 
because I think the book ended with, okay, it says here, Dahl's second wife, Felicity, commented on her husband's objections to the film adaptations of his works, saying they always want to change a book's storyline. What makes Hollywood think children want the endings changed for a film when they accept it in a book? You know, because at the, we all know the, but you know what? Something that wasn't in the book, and I haven't read the book from what I've read up though on, but I think those last couple minutes, I think are good that he, even though they weren't in the book, because you know the famous, you get nothing, you lose. Good day, sir. And and when and when um and you know and Grandpa Joe tells Charlie that come on let's go give the gum the Everloving Gobstopper to 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 Slugworth and when he's about to walk out and Charlie just says here you go Mr Wonka and then and then um and then you know Wonka goes Charlie you won. And, you know, it was, and this is what I like it better than the Tim Burton film, because it shows that, you know, and we talked about this two weeks ago when we talked about the Burton films, even though Charlie can be a bit emotional and he's a kid, but, you know, at the end of the day, he does the right thing. He doesn't do it because he thinks he's going to get rewarded. He does it because he knows it's the right thing to do. And apparently they didn't like that the story was ended and that, and that um and that maybe the ending was a little too sappy when when Willy Wonka says to Charlie, remember to the man who got everything, what? He lived happily ever after. I will admit I think that is a little sappy, but it's a nice way to end it. Um true, true, true. Yeah. So he hated the music. He he had general dissatisfaction with filmmakers. There are two ends of the spectrum where it comes to the author's involvement in an adaptation of their work. Uh, sorry, I was reading off a Yahoo article. Oh, we didn't talk about Fifty Shades of Grey, JT. We could skip that. That's okay. <laughs> you know I'm kidding, right? I, I good God, you're glad you're kidding. Just and- saying. At, who demands input to every minute decision and at the other graphic novelist, Alan Moore, who doesn't want even watch the finished project. Willy Wonka was the latter. Um, I got to know Roald when I was making a documentary about him in 1985. I went to watch. Wow, that's weird. The animated version of Big Friendly Giant was the only adaptation of his books that he actually liked. So, but I think the big thing of why Roald Dahl did not like, why he did not like um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was because one, one, Roald Dahl thought Willy Wonka in the book, he was supposed to be more eccentric and more strange, while Gene Wilder is like very charming and very sweet. But I think one of the big reasons why he doesn't like is because, and here's the big thing, he did not like 
Roald Dahl hated visual media. He hated movies. He hated television. That's annoying. Why do you say that's annoying? Oh, because who doesn't love art? Just saying. Like, he basically thought, like, you know, this was around the time when... Um, when um, when he thought that books and that he thought books and television was going to be, you know, that books and he thought that books were going to basically be at, he was going to be out of a job because everybody was going to be watching television and reading books rather than rather than um ra- that they were going to be watching television and movies rather than reading books so i think so i honestly think that he just didn't that he just did not like um that he thought he was going to be out of a job. Like if, you know, one of the things that I remember Willy Wonka when they were the Oompa Loompa songs, when it came to Mike TV, the Oompa Loompa doo-ba-dee-doo. Yeah. I got another puzzle for you. And it was, what do you get from a glut of TV? A pain in the neck and an IQ of three. Why don't you try simply reading a book? You know, I think that was basically a shade that was thrown by Roald Dahl when it came to movies and television. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and here's something interesting. The Oompa Loompas were actually called, because of the Oompa Loompas, the film and Roald Dahl actually faced backlash from the NAACP, the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People, because they thought the Oompa Loompas were racist. That's awful. I mean, it just whenever I hear stuff like that, it just boggles my mind. Truthfully. Why does it boggle your mind? It just does. It's like, I don't know. It's it says for Rold, this conclusion came as a complete shock. Not only had he ever intended the fanciful detail to cause offense, he had also quite failed to appreciate fully the ferocity of the social tide that ended around almost every public project within the US at the time. Mm-hmm. And and Dole actually said that in the in the book, Charlie was actually supposed to be black. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but you know how much this guy hated film adaptations. Beside one, he they did not give him the film rights to do Charlie and the Gra- and the Great Glass Elevator, the sequel. And two, this is how much he hated film adaptations. And I'm not gonna go too much into this. The have you ever heard of this movie? JT, 
It's from 1990. It's called The Witches. I actually have not. Um, this was actually based off a book that was by by Roald Dahl. Oh, okay. And this was actually this was actually the last adaptation that was made before he passed away. And it was also some of the last work of Jim Henson, the Muppet creator. Was it really? Yeah, he he produced it and apparently Henson and Henson and um apparently worked on before his death in the final theatrical film produced by Laura Production, the last film made Dahl's material before his death. Both, both Henson and Dahl died later that year. The following people did special puppet work in this film. Um, but anyway, now there was a lot of there was a Jim Henson died when production wrapped up. Um, but anyway, Roll Doll, he did not like the book. Oh, yeah. Sorry, he didn't like the movie. Okay. And found the hotel But um anyway, he didn't like the movie because um one there was Doll had in was in sense that Henson changed the original ending of the script. And because the original ending of the book is darker, this kid gets turned into a mouse and he gets turned into a mouse forever. But at the end of the movie, he's turned back into a boy. Mm. And he did not want that. And and um and he fought with the studio over that. And like literally, this movie was actually released. This movie was actually released three months before he died. And he literally stood outside the theater with a sign telling people not to go see it. That's crazy. Like, no, this man was, how old was he at the time? This man was 74 years old and nearing the end of his life. And he's like, and he's like, with a sign, don't see this movie. The only thing he liked about it was Angelica Houston. But everything else he he hated. And with this and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and many other adaptations of his films. Of his books. Of his books. He did not like, because again, he thought that film and television were going to put him, that film and television were going to put him out of business and put him out of a job. Right. And and it's like a few years after his death, when James and the Giant Peach was released, his widow was saying like, oh, it's such a wonderful film. I'm sure my husband would have loved it. I'm like thinking, seriously? Lady, I, I know he was your husband and everything, but no, this man hated everything. 
This man, God, hated everything. He hated Willy Wonka. He hated the witches. What made you think he was going to like this movie? I don't know. You know what, JT? I guess we'll never know. I guess, as they say, the world may never know. The world may never know. Okay, so I think that's it, wouldn't you say? I would say so too, my friend. In the words of Imagine Dragons, there's nothing left to say. Yes. Yes. Or in the wise words of Steam. Na 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 na. Hey, hey, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> no, in the words of Frank Sinatra. And now the end is near. Yes. Oh, good one. I didn't even think of that. Um, but yeah, we went on for a long time tonight. We actually went o- o- for almost uh, almost two hours tonight. So uh, that's crazy. This is a good topic, though. We we covered a good topic tonight, truthfully. We covered a lot of good stuff tonight. We did. And so bottom line, people read a book and then watch the movie. Then watch the movie. Because then you, but, you know, don't be one of those people who are like, wait a minute. In the book, it was like this. Yeah. like Don't you know, be one of those people. Nobody likes those people. No, no, no one likes those people. But just read the book first and then interpret the movie after you see the movie. Too, it might change your opinion. Truthfully, you never know. Excuse me. And remember, if you're gonna make them, uh, if you want a film adaptation of your novel, read the contract. That's big one, big one, big one. Um, but yeah, that's gonna do it for us tonight here on the Super Review Shows. Mix Meg, I want to thank Bill for uh, obviously doing our uh, the show with me tonight. Of course, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, he has another uh, show that he does. I believe it's uh. What is it called? Uh, you do the sports something. Sports Insanity podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Check us out. We are on all platforms. Yes, check them out. And they, like I've said this before, I say it again. They do great work over there. Um, uh, and I, I was here. If you if you like you've seen if you like you've seen and heard here, like, comment, subscribe, hit the follow button on your podcast feed as well. And if you haven't already, if you're watching us live. Check out our merch store. We have a lot of fun merch as well, too. It's on our YouTube channel. You can check out the link there as well. Um, but don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, and share this video with all your friends, and share this podcast with all your friends, too. Tell your friends. Tell, tell your t- kids. Tell your wives. Tell your neighbors. Tell Even your neighbor you don't like, he's finally useful for something. Yes, he's finally useful to understand. Tell awesome your dog. Is. Tell your cats. Tell your hamsters. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. If they're real, tell your mogwas. <laughs> then don't feed them after midnight. Yes, absolutely. You got to listen. Be careful out there, listen, gents. It's a crazy world. We got to have some fun. Hey you, gotta, hey, you know what? We know everyone, again, is still on edge from last night. But, hey, you know what? Regardless of who you voted for yesterday, life goes on. Life goes life- on. And let's have some damn fun while it goes on. I agree 110%. But that is going to do it for us tonight. As I said, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. Follow us on our social media pages, too, on Instagram and on Facebook. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Simply at the Super Review Show. I want to uh, Bill, Bill again for joining us as always. And uh, for all of us here at the Super Review Show, stay safe and take care.